Why should we believe life after death? Hello and welcome to Some Assembly Required, our podcast over here at Waynefleet BIC Church, where we discuss life through the lens of our Anabaptist roots. My name is Julie Adams. I'm your host today, and you have found the youth edition of our podcast. So if you are a youth or a parent of a youth or just are interested in tuning in, we're glad to have you with us today. I am joined by Pastor Wes Hillis, Hello. our youth pastor. Yeah. Welcome. And also our summer intern, Karis Hand. Welcome back, Karis. Thank you. Glad to have you here again. Glad to be here. Yeah. So we are going through a series why should I believe? Kind of like foundational truths, would you say? Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, I think they're foundational truths. I think they're also, you know, common questions that we have in our world today. Yeah. Like, especially around, you know, how did the earth come to be? You know, was mm-hmm. Jesus a real person? And today, you know, talking about, you know, life after death. Is that is that actually something? Do we actually have that? Yeah. Because like, honestly, that's what we have faith about and really... Well, that's kind of like it's, one of the it's, main... It's one of the main things, yeah. you know, is there really, you know, a heaven, is there a hell, and, you know, how do we talk about that? Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to go through that, and, you know, I want to start with a recap, you know, kind of talk about mm-hmm. the things we've talked about already, you know, we've mentioned it, you know, talking about creation, you know, just talking about the beauty that we see in the world, and talking about, you know, how the world is formed, you know, how the universe is formed, how God has touched each individual thing, like, down to the cell level of things, and the atoms, and... Yeah. just was there and all of it and um yeah we just really talked about you know the question of you know is that really what we believe and you know it's true that we think that you know god created you know the earth and the sun and the moon and the stars and you know how there's just so many beautiful wonderful things in the universe and on our planet mm-hmm. that god has touched um and then last week uh with Karis, uh we also talked about you know did jesus really exists as a human being and going through that you know his life and you know the different stories that we see in the new testament through the gospels and you know talking about all the you know how there's over twenty five thousand documents that mm-hmm. you know state that jesus was this real person that walked around and not just biblical but um outside of biblical sources that we have and you know we said one thing that was really surprising i think to people which was you know we actually have more sources say Jesus was a real person than Shakespeare. Yes. Like that kind of felt was a little shocking. That to was hear. shocking. Um, but yeah, and then we just, you know, kind of focusing on how he lived as a human being and how we are meant to live that out. Um, but this week marks the end of our series. You know, it's only a three-week series. And, you know, I think it's fitting that we're talking about life and death, especially in that, um, that there's life after death. So the main question I want to ask you guys what happens when we die? <laughs> the eyes there were just like, oh man. I'm like, I hope Karis goes first. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> depends who you ask. Yeah, that's right. It really depends who you ask. Yeah. You know, like the question is, is there an afterlife? I mean, I would say yes. The Bible does yeah. um, promise or talk about an afterlife. I would say it does. Mm-hmm. So... When we talk about afterlife, you know, every kind of faith out there has some kind of afterlife. They have some kind of, you know, spiritual realm after you die and everything. But there's something much different about, you know, Christianity and heaven. What's different? So the difference that we find within Christianity and heaven is the relationship we have with God. Mm-hmm. 
it's there with him through eternity. We're not just, you know, in this, uh, you know, different realm and just, you know, on our own or with other people, but you're with God in that you're, you're in relationship with him even after death and that you are in this eternal relationship where you worship and you love and you show compassion. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, there, um, I know this because I'm a historic, historic person in Egypt, um, ancient Egypt, what they actually believed was called the field of reeds. Mm-hmm. So the field of reeds was this idea that you would actually just walk in this beautiful field of reeds. You would be able to farm, you would be able to do all these things. You'd be able to work. Yeah. That was your, their heaven that you'd be able to work for the rest of your days. Hmm. Just on this field of reeds in this beautiful place. And yeah, that was, that was their field. Of, that was their heaven. And it's all these different kind of things from all over the world, but ours is much different because it's the relationship with our creator. It's funny how, um, I don't know, nothing I've read, and correct me if I'm wrong, we don't get really a description of something like physical of what heaven will look like. No, Mm-mm. not really. We don't, it's not like, oh, it's going to have, I mean, maybe pearly gates or like... We all, yeah. I think we always picture like clouds and like fluffy things, but yeah. I don't think the Bible ever like physically describes it. It focuses more on yeah. that but we will have, a, we will be like really close with God. Like we will like yeah. be with, with him. Yeah. There's something that um, people, I, I know some people say it's uh, new heaven and new earth mm-hmm. kind of coming together mm-hmm. and kind of being that, that place of heaven, you know, the beauty that we have on earth. Because let's be honest. Earth is a beautiful, beautiful place. Oh, there yeah. is beauty out there in the world. We, we've caused some not beautiful things, but I think that, you know, new heaven and new earth coming together to kind of form this heaven. That's what the Bible Project, if you go on YouTube, the Bible Project actually mm. gives a great video actually on yeah. that new heaven and new earth. Um, it's a it's a great video, actually. Yeah, it is. You've seen, yeah, it's a great yeah, video for just re- like kind yeah. of explaining that. Um, so my question is, what started this myth that heaven is like in the clouds hmm. so you have to and think it's like all fluffy and golden so when you think back into historical and ancient societies um where did all deities rest in the sky in the sky mm-hmm. so they viewed that you know since deities rested in the sky um you can look at the israelites god you know a fireball in the sky that yeah. you know guided them on their way so they view that, you know, God is up there. Obviously, that's where heaven is. Heaven is above us. Mm-hmm. It's when a very historical, it's a very interesting concept because we usually put on a scale, you know, there's us, but there's always something greater, but, you know, there's less. Yeah. So if you look at the earth, we view that heaven below, sorry, that's wrong. Heaven above, <laughs> hell <Yes>. below. <laughs> well, I love when my words don't make sense. Um so heaven's above, it's above us, it's something greater than us. Yeah. Hell is below us, it's something less than us, it's something terrible, it's something awful. And that's usually how we view, you know, different scales of anything. And I think that, you know, this idea that heaven is in the clouds comes from this idea that there's, there's so much beauty up there, there's so much mystery, there's so much unknown. Mm-hmm. But that's like what we said with the Bible Project video, new heaven and new earth coming together. It's not like there's like this massive huge separation but rather it comes together god brings us together because god literally can do anything um so yeah so what we're gonna do we're actually gonna dive in Kara's gonna read our scripture again and we're gonna see what solomon actually writes about this topic okay ecclesiastes 3 verse 9 to 15 what do people really get for all their hard work 
I have seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these gifts are from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening? What is happening now has happened before, and what will happen in the future has happened before, because God makes the th- same things happen over and over again. So it's a really interesting verse that we read, because there's a lot going on in it. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something that we need to point out, and it's something that everyone, I think, has wondered. Everyone, everyone's wondered this in their life, no matter what. Is, is there life after death? Yeah. And, you know... Have you ever really wondered, you know, why our minds think this way? And, you know, Solomon actually answers this question for us. He said that God implants eternity in our hearts. See, we're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. That's not just a physical representation. That's a spiritual. It's a mental. It's um, emotional. emotional. Mm-hmm. It's as part of our soul that we're made in the image of God. And we have this longing for this, this thing called eternity. You could look through every any different kind of society through a whole of the ancient world till now. People are obsessed with living forever. Forever, mm-hmm, they yeah. want eternity. They want immortality. They want that so bad. Fountain of youth. Exactly. Yeah. There were so many myths and things out there where people were like, "Okay, you, we have to somehow be able to live forever." And people today are still trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. If you look at the lifespan of people, it has grown exponentially in the last hundred years. We went from the average age expectancy for death to around forty. To the average age expectancy to now eighty. Mm-hmm. That's that should not happen in a hundred years. Are you saying we should all die at forty? No, I what I'm not, saying goodness. is the jump. That <laughs> I'm saying the jump that we have made is crazy. Yeah, because you have for thousands of thousands of years it was the same. I mean, you almost can't compare though. I mean. We have like clean we have so much more technology. Water. Yeah, I, so I understand much that. Like a lot of those deaths were not old no. age; they no. were dying because yes, of like. But the thing is, what I'm trying to say is, we've made such a huge leap, mm-hmm. and it scares me almost of how much we've leaped in the last hundred years. But then there was also the people in the Bible that were living to be like oh yeah, absolutely, years well, old. Was, like Abraham. But that was, um, like before the flood. That's oh, that's true. That's very true. (laughs) Not Abraham. (laughs) Abraham. Not Abraham. Abraham was after the flood. Oh yeah, he lived a long time. Yeah, he lived a long time. Yeah, uh, there's still things where people lived crazy long times in uh, ancient times. Um, Japanese culture is a big representation of this. They had people living way past their 80s, way in ancient times, Mm -hmm. which is like crazy. They still have people. They still have people who live in their hundreds, and it's like, oh, they're doing something right over there. Um, but yeah, um, God implants his idea of eternity in our hearts. I think that's why a lot of people who aren't Christian, you know, still think that there's life after death. Mm-hmm. So my parents are, they're not Christians. Um, I would say at one point they were, they were completely atheists, but I would say now they're more agnostic. Mm-hmm. So, um, agnostic is someone who thinks there's a higher power, not sure really what it is. Um, and I believe like they can definitely see like, there definitely is something out there. Not sure what it is, but I do believe there's something after death. I think everyone kind of goes through that at some point in their life. Because to me, 
if we go into our world and it's like, there's nothing after death. After death, there's just emptiness. I'm like, what is the point? Oh, that is such a sad What thing. is yeah. the so point? Sad. Yeah. So sad. Like, you, you come on earth, you live for 80 years, let's say. If you're lucky. If you're lucky, and what? It means nothing? Like, to me, that's not, that, that can't be true. Um, and that's why I think that nearly all religions believe there's life after death. Mm-hmm. As followers of Jesus, we get this amazing opportunity to live with our Savior. It's different than anything else. We get the opportunity to live with Jesus in heaven for eternity. Now, um, look, it's it's easy for people to get skeptical about this. Mm-hmm. It's normal because we don't understand death. We don't. We fear it. We're unsure about it. Well, I think a lot of it is fear of the unknown, right? Exactly. Like we've just all said... Do we know exactly what happens after death? No. 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 <laughs> there's, there's been people out there who, you know, have died and, you know, have been resuscitated and brought back to life. And they're like, oh, yep. these crazy, amazing things were going on. And, um, you know, it's, it's a very common belief that once our hearts stop beating, the brain ceases to function within 20 to 30 seconds. So your brain actually keeps going after your heart has stopped for 20 to 30 seconds. Yep. And, you know, people have found that people who've suffered cardiac arrest, the results of those who survived were astonishing. You know, 46% experienced very broad mental images, 9% had near-death experience, and 2% had out-of-body experience. Where they said that they could see themselves and they could remember things that doctors had said to other facts about what happened during the time they were unconscious in the emergency room. Our brain does crazy things. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just craziness, all the things that happen. And I think that... I remember there was a kid, I think it was in the UK, who he had cardiac arrest and he was dead for like a few minutes. And it was said that like he experienced heaven, like he was there and everything. I remember the story. Movie out of well, there was there was a one there was a kid in the States who that happened to also. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. they made the movie Heaven is for real. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's a book too. It's okay. a tearjerker. Oh my gosh, don't even get me yeah. started. <laughs> but yeah, it's um I think a lot of this comes, you know. One, I think our brain is trying to protect us, mm-hmm. trying to ease us into death. But I think God is also in that place where he's like showing us glimpses of things. And just, um, I mean, we can look at the technology we have today. None of the technology we would have had to be able to resuscitate people would have existed 50 years ago. Yeah. So I think that, you know, there's crazy things that the brain does to be able to help us. And I think there's crazy things that God has implanted in us for us to be able to experience and to know and to find. And um, I think this could be one of those things where, you know, you experience just a little slice of it mm-hmm. or like an out-of-body experience. That's crazy. That is crazy. To be able to know what doctors are saying while you're unconscious and then be able to tell them what they said about you. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> Um, oh, it's just nuts. It's just nuts. And I think that's a lot of mind-blowing things that, you know, we have that um, our brains are actually conscious after, you know, if you're on an operating table, when they tell say your time of death, your brain is still actually active mm-hmm. in that. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've, I, I'm, I'm hoping everyone here has dreamed once in their life. I would, I would think so. Um, a dream can feel like an eternity. Yeah. 
but it could only be 30 seconds in real time. Like, That's true. If you watch the movie Inception, it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so I really, I really start to wonder, you know, like the power that our brains have that God has given us, mm-hmm. I think is a huge gift, especially when it comes to this kind of things because we can experience so many crazy things. Like I, have you guys ever heard of lucid dreaming? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you told me about this. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds awful. So I can lucid dream only a few sometimes it takes a lot of practice to get back into but um lucid dream is the ability to control everything within your dream that's weird so like you can you can fly you can do things you can build a city you can do all these crazy amazing things when inside lucid dream like minecraft it's like minecraft creative mode oh my gosh wow (laughs) that is the best way anyone has ever (laughs) described it you're welcome thank you um but yeah, that's, I, I, there's crazy powers that the brain has, and I think that um, this is just one of them that we're talking about. And um, first, just some mind-blowing information um, to get our brains thinking about um, our consciousness after death. Here's what actually Jesus says, um, you know, about the afterlife and our relational aspects of eternal life. And Kara's going to read our scripture again. Okay, Luke 16, verse 19 to 29. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can ever cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from here, from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. So here we read, you know, this is a guarantee that we'll know we are in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. That we'll actually know, and I think that um, you know Jesus shows us whether we'll either go to heaven or hell in this parable. Now, this is something really important I want to talk about because we talk about things through our Anabaptist roots. Mm-hmm. So here um, it says right at the end, you know, for I have five brothers, and I want uh, him to warn them so that they don't end up in this place of torment. We believe in our Anabaptist roots. We don't believe in predestination. That's something we don't believe in. We believe that everyone has a chance to be able to go to heaven. We believe that you know. We have this free will that God has given us that we can, you know, choose God. That, you know, we're not just numbers casted to the lots that, you know, some have been chosen, some have not been. But Do you rather, want to briefly explain what predestination is? Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll explain what predestination is. Predestination is the belief that only certain people have been chosen by God to go to heaven. And that we don't all have, like, an equal opportunity. No, that we don't all have an equal opportunity. That certain people have been chosen... Um, that's so sad. Like, when you really think about it, I feel like that breaks faith. 
you know what? That I've, just doesn't. Yeah. To me, that breaks faith because. I feel it like it just takes away the purpose of life. Kind of. It yeah, doesn't, a little. It doesn't feel like, like at some point you have to say, does this feel like God or does this not feel exactly. like God? Mm-hmm. And it does not feel like God to not invite everyone to exactly. come. We can look at Pastor uh, Pastor Annie's uh, service, yeah. just you know, being in the banquet that we all have this equal opportunity that we are all invited to the table. Yep. And I think that we could even look at predestination in the sense that there are people out there who have served God their entire life. They're just not part of it. Like that's that's the fact of predestination. You could you could be someone who has served God your entire life, but you're not going to heaven because of predestination. Do you know like where oh. this belief comes from? Like, is it talked I'm, about in the Bible or? I'm not sure where exactly predestination comes from. Um, I think it was Romans somewhere. Romans chapter nine. Okay, but I I just predestination I struggle with because to me to say that you know there's people out there that will never know, um, never be able to go to heaven, never be able to experience the love. Um, that bothers me. And I think, um, you know, we get this idea that kind of breaks predestination. We get this idea in our anniversaries that break predestination. So I want you guys to think of an island. Mm-hmm. Think of an island just in the middle of nowhere that has not been touched by society at all. But there's people living on it. They're going about their daily lives. They've never heard scripture before. Does that mean that, you know, all of them will then go to hell? But rather we believe that through creation with that we are made in the image of god that you know it's not just a physical thing it's a spiritual thing as well that god is reaching all people and whatever way he can he's reaching all people now we read that the only way to the father is through jesus but if you look at these societies and how they are living that there are many societies out there who live of love and compassion and peace they're living a way that is similar to how Jesus is teaching us how to live, and they sometimes do it a lot better than any of our Western societies can. Mm-hmm. I argue that they're almost closer than we are because <laughs> the way they live of peace and love and compassion is so much greater than we could ever understand. And I think that God is out there reaching every single person that he can, that he's out there reaching all people and those who haven't heard the Bible, those who haven't heard the name of Jesus, because God is predestination for sorry i'm gonna go on a rant mm-hmm. predestination for me is not being able to understand god and thus putting him in a box and mm-hmm. saying only my friends are going to be able to go to heaven mm-hmm. to me that's predestination because it's saying that there are certain people out there who i don't like who i don't want to go to heaven so obviously i'm not going to go and minister to them i'm not going to go and mm-hmm. talk to them about scripture i'm not going to go it doesn't matter um to me that limits god's power to me that says that god can only do so much and I hate that because yeah. we believe that God can do all things. He can do everything. He can look back at the first part of our series. Literally created the universe. Mm-hmm. I showed Karis a video that the universe is much bigger than you think. Yes. It was a little bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> it is insane just how big the known universe is to us the known universe exactly the known universe yeah what is it what did they say if you were to drive let's just give an example um in our solar system the milky way or our galaxy the milky way 
is within a cluster of other galaxies. Yeah. And we are only a tiny portion. The stars we see are only a tiny portion of what's actually around us. We it's actually like only see, we see 0.1% of the actual stars that are around us. That's how insanely vast the universe is. Crazy. If you ever have been in Northern Ontario, which apparently a bunch of people in Waynefleet have, I've heard, you know, going up to Elk Lake or whatever. Yep. You look up at the stars. It's nuts. Yeah. Like, just to see the beauty I've that's been there. To, um, in Jasper, Alberta, it's like mm-hmm. one of the best places in the world to see mm-hmm. the stars. It's amazing. At, like. So when you think about that and the fact that you can only see 0.1%. blows my mind. It's mind blowing. And I yeah. think that when we limit God in the way predestination, I think does. It affects our relationship with him, I find. Because God's sitting there and he's like, like, I'm here, yet you only think I can do so much. Mm-hmm. Where I believe, and I think we believe as Anabaptists, anyone can be saved. Mm-hmm. Anyone can go to heaven. It's the relationship they have of God that allows them to be able to do this. It's the fact that God is out there living in this world. He's not some cosmic being up there that's looking down and be like, oh, they're doing great. We're not. <laughs> he's out here living in the world with us walking in our daily lives passionately showing us love all the time and i think that you know when i preached i talked about you know this idea of knock and you shall receive yeah we're on the side of the door and we're i I've, i i kind of switch us so i'm switching god and us we we are on the one side of the door and god is just there knocking he's just like i'm here always will be mm-hmm. always am here for you no matter what all you have to do is just open that door just a little bit. You don't have to open the door fully. You open that door a little bit, oh, God will enter your life like crazy. Mm-hmm. I saw someone um, say on a podcast once that, um, you know, there's people out there who, you know, they they want to see God, but they really don't want to see God. They want to see Jesus, but they really don't want to see him because that, that breaks their world. Yeah. It shatters their world. <laughs> um, for me, when I became Christian, like world shattering when I became Christian whole world is viewed differently I remember driving in my mom's car and viewing the world and be like oh God actually created all of this like it, was, <laughs> it, it clicks in and I, I love that feeling when you see in movies when like the main character finally clicks everything into place it's like yeah most satisfying thing to me ever <laughs> um especially when you know the stuff that they don't know exactly yeah. it's like yeah. finally Get um it. and I just view that you know when you discover that Jesus is real, when you discover his love for you, when you discover God, when you discover the Holy Spirit, when you discover all these things, it it, it flips your world completely. Mm-hmm. And I get why a lot of people are scared of it because it changes your whole existence. Like that, that it's the truth. Like it changes everything in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, this, it's one of those, like you can't unknow it. Once you, you can't, know once it, you know it, you can't unknow it. There's a conversation I had with um, a youth once, and I said, you grew up in the church. And I said, yeah, I grew up in the church. And I said, what do you think about, you know, what's your faith at right now? And they're like, well, I don't, I don't really believe. I don't, I, don't, I, just, I don't really want that with God. I said, okay, but you know God is someone who is real. He said, yeah, I know God is someone who is real. I said, you have a way more of a standing, way more of a backing than anyone else who has grown up outside the church. Because you know for a fact that God is someone who is there. Mm-hmm. You know that when things get rough, you can actually turn to him. Where people like I, growing up outside the church, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm on my own. Yeah. There's nothing out there. I got, I got no support, no backing, no nothing. Like if I'm going through something, the world teaches us today that you got to deal with it yourself. Yep. 
and growing up in the church growing up outside the church that's what you're taught to do so when you finally come to have the relationship with god it, it breaks you kind of because you realize just how important and how much love there actually is for you i'm getting emotional thinking about because i remember <laughs> but like knowing that god is someone who is actually there to care for you and support you when you've grown up thinking you know you're on your own that there's always been someone there from the moment you're born even before the moment you're born you know you're formed i knew you ah <laughs> that he formed us in our mother's womb that he knew us before creation itself that you know the love that he has for us is just infinite it's just it's just always there mm-hmm. i think that that mm-hmm. idea of predestination for me then i i can't wrap my head around it because yeah. it's not it's, to me that's not what i f- see when i look at god no it doesn't all it doesn't line up no and you know um the idea of predestination for me this it's not it can't it can't be all there is and um you know i think heaven is a place where we connect with god i think it's somewhere we are eternally with god and you know celebrating and worshiping and loving and partying or whatever whatever that may look like and we don't know what heaven looks like mm-hmm. i've heard a song um i hope heaven has a dirt road was it a country song it was a country song i hope heaven has a dirt road and it said it said i hope there's fishing and mountains and you know what i thought about that i'm like that makes me think of the bible project video that you know new heaven and new earth that you know it could be a whole planet of just heaven and being of god it could be like the garden of eden we don't know and i think that's beauty in that that we don't know then and why bother sharing god if it doesn't matter yeah, so it with, pre- yeah with predestination there's no point in sharing god if only there's certain people you know god can do all the work i don't have to do anything yeah i'm gonna say something and i'm gonna offend someone to me that's lazy faith that's lukewarm mm-hmm. yeah to me that is because if you're not out there you know talking to people about the love that jesus has for us mm-hmm. i'm gonna definitely offend someone with that i'm gonna you're gonna get a response on if these podcasts west has offended you please email him promptly at west at waypointbic.com <laughs> don't worry i'll buy you a coffee <laughs> um but i think something we also have to talk about um if we believe in heaven we we, we believe in hell as well you believe in yeah. both things it's the same if you believe in god well that means you also believe in Satan. Um, that's a whole nerd series. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so hell. What? What? When you guys picture hell, what do you picture? That depends. No. All right. If I picture like the the stereotypical like idea of hell, then it's like fire and brimstone, like eternal burning and pain and no mm. God. But okay. like, but that's not. Like we're, I mean, we're about to unpack this, but that's yeah. not what I immediately think of when I think of what I believe hell is. Yeah. Or, yeah. Julie. Yeah. Yeah, I think of like just sadness and suffering, and just uh, almost more like a lack of joy and a lack of mm-hmm. anything good. Yeah. To me, hell is an emptiness. Yeah. It's a separation from God completely. And I think that, you know, we think about our world today and some people might say, well, I don't have a relationship with God, so hell can't be that bad. It's just going to be the same as this. No, no. It's a 100% separation mm-hmm. from God. You, I love when people think that they know that they have no point of God in their life at all. 
but really that God is working their lives all, all the time, mm-hmm. that he's actually with them and walking with them. And I love that representation, but I think it's, it's a complete absence. And we read this because um, we're going through a teaching that we're doing through this, and hell is the absence of the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's the absence of the love from God. Um, now, uh, this may have you slightly confused, and, you know, I thought, you know, maybe you thought that, you know, Jesus' love was everywhere. Um, it is, except for the places that refuse it. So hell is obviously some place, like, you know, that we see, um, like, God defeats, Jesus defeats in the resurrection, and, um, so yeah, so we're going to talk about this idea of, you know, hell and kind of separation that it is from God. So we believe, um, everyone I think believes hell a little differently, and, um, you know, we have the old kind of thing which characters kind of brought up, you know, fire and brimstone. Mm-hmm. Now that was really heavily taught all throughout, I think, from, you could probably do from 1500s and onwards. Mm-hmm. Fire and brimstone was hugely taught that, you know, and there's a lot of fear within that as well. No, well, if we look at yes. if you look at the 1900s, the preaching that happened from 1900 to 2000, fire and brimstone was everything. Repent or you'll burn. Repent yeah. or you'll burn. I could you could even say Billy Graham used this heavily in throughout his teaching. They they still use it today, like. Oh yeah, it's still massive. Am today. I allowed to? Yeah, absolutely. Go. Yeah. Uh, so my siblings went in like the camp. Yeah. And like, we're kind of scarred for life because they were just talk- they were just using fear tactics like yeah. if you aren't going to accept oh. jesus into your life then you're going to like burn in hell yeah and see that's not the way we're meant to show love and that's why i struggle with the whole idea of exactly fire and brimstone like that's not that's not who i see god yeah as. i don't think i don't it doesn't fit god's character no mm-hmm. and see when so when you become a bic pastor you have to write out um theology they actually give you a paper and say, what do you think about this, 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 this? And you have multiple choice, or you can oh, write wow. other, and you actually write what you write. Is it like a test? Well, it, it kind of sees where your theology at and where it lines up with the BIC. And, you know, not everyone is the same, obviously. You know, we're all individuals, and we all have different yeah. interpretations and everything. So it's something I find that's really um, interesting. So I actually sat down with Charlie and was able to talk about this. You know, we'll talk about this whole idea of hell and what it really is. And I believe that this is my personal belief. This is where you get the most comments for things. Um... So my personal belief is that once we die, if you're not going to heaven, that you actually have this opportunity, you have this moment with God, where I believe God and you kind of talk about this a little bit. That I believe God is a father that loves and supports us and has compassion for us. And I believe that he gives people the opportunity to say, okay, you've lived your life. Maybe you didn't know I was here. Maybe you did know I was here and you refused me. But you lived your life and oh my god of love and compassion i want to support you and i want to hold you and would you choose to believe in me now and i think a lot of people would probably at the end of their life be like nah like you would have people who who would be but i think you'd have people who'd say yeah and i think that you know god gives all of us an opportunity to have this relationship with him for eternity and that after we die you think there's like a second chance i think so hmm. i think so honestly because when I look at God through love and compassion and everything he does for us, I see, yeah. And especially for those who don't know God, anything about God, like we talk about, you know, those people on islands who have no idea about yeah. Jesus or anything. I think that there is that chance. And I think that um, there will be people who, are, who will refuse, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, a lot of people may disagree with that because, no, we don't see that in Scripture. We don't see that. And I have to say, like, yeah, we find our truth within Scripture and we find that. But we also find truth within the relationship we have with God. Um, So, yeah, I just, that's kind of my thoughts. I'm still figuring it out. Like, I think we're still figuring out this whole idea of heaven and hell and everyone goes through different interpretations and... Yeah, I remember when I first became a Christian, I was like, I don't really know what I think about hell at all. And it took me years to kind of figure out what I really think, and I'm still figuring it out. Um, and that's that's the same for everybody, I think. I think you could talk to any anybody here, and they say the same thing. That like, This is what I believe, but, you know, I'm, I'm still growing as a person, still figuring it out. And, yeah, um, there's also, um, so what happens, you know, when people ask me, that, you know, what happens, though, if you say no to God? To me, what hell then is, is... Um, emptiness it's complete mm-hmm. separation you're just you're just there it's just, there's nothing it's just emptiness you're away from god you're you're alone you're so your soul still exists you believe i think just. so and you're just, you're just you're just emptiness you don't feel anything you're just you're just suffering you're just there's um there's a painting i forget who does it and someone he, who painted heaven and they painted um hell and they, they were just people and they just stood there and they were suffering and they were just like not suffering like in the idea of fire and brimstone but suffering like inside like torment torment mm-hmm. like knowing that they are separated from god knowing that they they that's over that's done that is just nothing and not being able to get out of that torment and constantly suffering in that and there's a painting i forget who does it because it's r- a really amazing painting um but yeah that's kind of where i stand i don't know about you guys um I'm looking at Karis, and she's like, I don't know. I'm still figuring I'm, it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I don't know if I'll ever come to a final conclusion. Yeah, that's and same. I think that's okay. Like, I, yeah, like, I don't think you need to have all the answers for everything figured out. Yes, and I think that's a great point because we don't need to know everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think heaven and hell is one of the things where we we don't know. There's a lot of mystery around it because I think that, there needs to be a little bit of mystery around it. Yeah. That we don't need to know all the answers. I love doing that to people. And they're like, oh, what's the answer for this? I don't know. I think a lot <laughs> people of people... hate that as a pastor. I think I a lot it. of people struggle with that because having the answers gives you a sense of control or like... But let's be honest. We don't have control in this. Exactly. And yeah. Like to know Do this... Infor- no, but to know this information, I mean. But if we have free will, then we have some mm. level well, of yes. control. Yes, but- yes, obviously, yeah. I just mean that... Um, no, to know this information gives us a sense of control on our life. Mm. And, you know, we have Christians who are out there and who live like this that, you know, know that they are secure in their faith and know yeah. that they will go to heaven. They, they live with a sense of control in that. And that's, that's wonderful. That's amazing. But there's also people who are Christians who are still figuring it out, who maybe don't know and don't have control in that. But they're kind of sitting there and being like, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay to have mystery. And it's okay. I think, I think God has humor and I think God is this amazing person who just wants to keep the mystery out there for us well it also makes us curious about him and when you're curious about him and you long to know more then you'll seek out more information and that will Mm -hmm. you know bring you closer to him so yeah I mean there's probably a method to his madness oh absolutely (laughs) there has to be um and I don't think Christianity is a black and white religion explain that like, uh, I don't 
I mean, I, but I believe that God has all the answers, Mm -hmm. but I don't think us as humans in Christianity need to have it all figured out in order to, I agree. Absolutely. In order to have a relationship with him and live with him eternally. So this is where the whole idea of faith comes into play. We don't have it all figured out and that's okay. As this running relationship of faith in God that even though we don't have things figured out, we still believe and that we still go to him, we turn to him, that we find comfort in him, that even through our doubts and our struggles and our questions, God is there and he holds us in that. And I think that, I'm going to ask Julia this, you're a parent. Mm, Yes. So when your kids ask you a certain question, but you're like, they don't really need to know like if it's like mm. they don't really need to know the answers to this like it's not gonna do anything like it's just um it kind of like you don't really need to know this i i see your doubts and your questions but ultimately it's okay to have those doubts and those questions it's okay to wrestle through that you need to figure that out yourself kind of but yep. um as a parent do you just like say like here's the answer that's it go no, no. you let them wrestle in that yeah. you let them you let them go through that and i think god allows us to be able to do that because if we were just be in our lives and be like God, what's this mean? He's just like, there you go. That's Google. That's not God. That's Google. Well, and also, like, this is goes back to your predestination. I don't think that God forces us into a relationship Mm -hmm. with him. I think he welcomes us into Mm -hmm. a relationship with him. But, like, would you want to be married? Like, I know you're not married, Karis, but, Wes, would you want to be married if it was, like, you know, Forced? Forced. Like you had to. You didn't choose. Like you choose the person that you, like you choose those relationships. It's not like that's who you, although a lot of cultures do. A lot of cultures do that. Prearranged marriages. There's a lot of statistics about arranged marriages. Like I'm not. There is a lot of statistics. Yeah. Uh, It does work out a lot of the time. But I would not. Okay. I would not. All right, Karis, we're talking to Pat after this. (laughs) No. Um, Boy, do I have a guy for you. No, I'm kidding. Same. Um, I mean, no one wants to be forced into a relationship, I guess. No, no no one wants to be forced into something. Even in, um, I believe it's still in arranged marriages, like the husband and wife still get to see each other and they get to have a conversation. Oh, yeah. It's not like actually forced. It's like it's chosen. It's chosen, but you still have a choice within that. Yeah. I know there's some cultures that are just like, this who you're marrying that's it like that that does happen yeah. um but yeah i think what you're saying makes a lot of sense you know god is the one who gives us the choice to be able to choose him to be able to have that relationship with him so as we you know start to finish up this is going to go on for a little bit but as we start to finish up what really needs to answer is why should i believe this and i think that really comes down to you know why should i believe about this creation why should i believe that jesus was this real person why should i believe you know this thing about heaven and hell i believe this all comes from love that's where it comes from mm-hmm. the love that god has for us the relationship that he has for us is amazing and it's earth shattering and it is just incredible and i think that if we really want to be able to experience this love then we have to make that conscious choice yeah like you said it's not something we're forced into it's something we choose mm-hmm. it's faith to believe in something that you cannot touch, that you cannot see, that you cannot always feel. It's faith. And I think that's what it really comes mm-hmm. down to. And so I want to encourage anyone who's listening to this, if you're curious about faith, 
that if you're really wondering about it, reach out. It's okay. Mm -hmm. We can all go through this together. And that making that choice, once you know that truth and make that choice, changes everything. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you very much, Pastor Wes and Karis. If you'd like to get in touch with Pastor Wes, if you have any questions or want to work through any of that with him, um, you can reach him at Wes at WayneFleetBIC.com. And if you would like to encourage Karis or get in touch with her, um, her email address is KarisRHand at gmail.com. And my email address is Julie at WayneFleetBIC.com. So thank you for tuning in today, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week. Bye. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.